Take up your cross and follow me, I heard my master say. I gave my life to ransom thee, surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. December 14th, 1986. First Baptist Church, Hooks, Texas. Have no clue what the sermon was, but that was the invitation. When I walked that aisle, and I took that first step. The rest of the steps were easy. It was the first step that was the hardest. Gave my life to the Lord, and it changed everything. Chasing daylight, been doing it ever since. Our series, of course, birthed out of the book of Er McManus, who we kind of follow the, the framework of. But this passage of scripture in John, chapter 9, 4, 5, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This implies what? Urgency. Last week we talked about choices. And I would say for some of you, you, you look different this week. You made choices. You made small choices. You made a little bit bigger choices. Some made some significant choices. I mean, huge choices in their life. That's going, they don't look, you don't look the same after that. And you walk in here today going, I'm different than I was last week. We say over and over here over the years, you're not the same people. Even though you may be sitting in the same seat, you're not the same people that I preached to last week. You're just not. You've made choices, you've made decisions, life has happened, choices have been, maybe have happened to you. But things are different than they were last week. Some you won't ever remember because they were just so small. Some you definitely will remember. But for some of you, you thought you didn't make any decision last week because your indecision is crippling your walk with God. You're thinking that if I don't have to make these decisions, I don't have to make these commitments, I don't have to step forward, then I can just stay right where I am. I can just stay in this neutral position. But let me tell you about the cross. You don't stay neutral when you come to the cross. There's nothing about seeing that cross and knowing what happens there that you stay neutral. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. You're not staying in the same place. And you may be trying to figure it all out like I did for months before that December 14th. I get that. And I think God gives us a lot of grace in there, that provenient grace that he woos us, he pulls us, he tugs at us, we don't know why this is happening. But it is. 
the one thing I'm convinced of, God created us to choose, but he created, created us to commit to him, and there's really not a good neutral place there. What I love when God is controlling our lives, as we talked about an uncommon this morning, a game changer, he has the opportunity to redeem not only our life, but our story up to this point and make it useful to the kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16, you know this scripture, but we're gonna use it today. In this sense, you, you, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, let your light, let your light shine before others and they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You. And I would prefer you say there. I am. I am the light of the world, meaning you. Not the great I am, don't go there. But I am the light of the world. And a person like me doesn't hide my light. A person like me puts that light on a stand. Because I realize the way that I can glorify my God is let my light shine. And if I hide it, it's not only not glorifying me, which sometimes we get confused, it's not glorifying him. We do it in different ways. <clears throat> and as I was reminded preparing for Uncommon again this week is that we're on track. What we're trying to do here at Renovation is to help you understand how to uncover that light and to fight against the, 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 the opportunity that you have every day to cover it up. That it is our role and it is our job to help you clear the clutter, as Josiah has already said. Because I believe if you hide your story and you hide your spark that you bring to the kingdom that nobody else is gonna bring just like you. And you hide your passage and you hide your gift mix and you hide all that if you're not careful. The word says in John 10, 10, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but we can work with him. Because if you choose to hide all that, you're stealing from the rest of us. Might as well take my truck down to the chop shop. Stealing that way. You're stealing from the rest of us when you choose as a believer. If you're not a believer here today, let me say this. One, I'm not always fired up like this. So you can come another time. Maybe I won't be. But for some reason today, I am. But I'll tell you this. I sat where you sat at 27 years old. But if you're a believer here today, it is not an option or a luxury to hide your light. You do not have that option. 
Now, you can cover it up with all the accumulations and all the ways and all that. We talked about it this morning. You know, we talk about game changers, and, and often we don't know game changers are happening to us in the moment. And matter of fact, sometimes we don't even look back. But, but we talked about this morning is when the Internet came into your life, you didn't know it was a game changer, but, man, was it a game changer. When you bought that first smartphone, you didn't know it was a game changer, but, man, has it changed your life. When you stepped into social media, you didn't know it. But if we're not careful, those very things that came and changed and changed the trajectory of our life, and what I mean by they, they cluttered our life with so much information, so much fear even, so much comparison, so much all those things that we know are not of our walk. Great to say, hey, I want to be on the team I don't want to be on the Jesus team. When in reality, what you're saying is, I want to be on the Jesus spectator team. I don't want to be on the field. I don't want to be there. I'd rather come and watch. I have a feeling if you watched the Green Bay Packers last night and you're a fat Packer fan, you were a little upset, but I bet you what, but I'll tell you what though, you're not near as sore as those players are this morning. That's just my guess. You think they're sadder than you are if you're a Green Bay Packer fan? They had a little more vested. Man, as we begin to redeem those points in our life, that God begins to say, and you've been telling her, the enemy's told you that's wasted. Forget about that. And matter of fact, some of the things you do need to forget about. But God says, I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to take as Joseph, I'm going to take what the enemy meant for bad and use it for good. Your talents, your experiences. can be a catalyst for light for others. I just just rather get a bushel and just hide it under it. Is that not insane as a believer? Man, we gotta believe, as I said a few weeks ago, we gotta believe that this is either the, 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 the key answer to a fractured and broken world or it is not. And if it's not, let's go do something else. But if it is the answer to every individual's life, every marriage, every family, every culture, every every city, every nation, if it's the answer to it, we need to get busy. If it's not, okay. But if it is, but if it is, And it comes to our word for the day, and it's the word initiate, because if we're going to do something, the reality is for most of us, we're going to have to initiate something. We're going to have to start something. We're going to have to choose to do something. Nobody's going to force you to do it. You're going to have to initiate the first step like I did in that Baptist church. Nobody pushed me out there, even though, Jane, I felt like was in the moment. 
And I tell people, I said, you know those old pews, the old pews, the pews in churches where they got that piece of wood on top? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Got the piece of wood that holds the cloth there? You know why they're loose? Because of, because of conviction. Because <laughs> you're about to snap the thing in half. <laughs> we don't have them here, but... Erdman Manus says this, and it's out of the book, Chasing Daylight, says, we have defined holiness or spiritual growth through what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. I'm convinced the greatest tra- tragedy is not the sins that we commit, but the life that we fail to live. It is not enough to stop the wrong and then be paralyzed when it comes to the right. God created you to do good, and doing that requires initiative. Where there is freedom, we must initiate. You think about the garden, if you believe the story, there was only one no, and everything else was a yes. That's the God we serve. Now, obviously, it got complicated after that. (laughs) I am not downplaying that. But that's the God we serve. There's way more yeses. Go till you get a no. We try to just stay till we get a yes. And two things about initiative, I just kind of, you, do you ever make up your own definitions? But it's to recognize and do what needs to be done before being asked to do it. Initiative is not given, it's taken. And it can't be stolen. Most of you know, there have been uncommon, know this ball of mine. The initiative ball. And I leave it in my office and I do setups. I'll go put my feet up under my couch and I'll do setups. And I, the reason I have this here and I wrote this on there, because you know what? I won't do setups. It won't make me. This ball won't come rolling over to me and go, hey, 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 we need to go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I got to go take it. I gotta go grab it. I gotta take the initiative. I can't give it to you. As much as I love you, as much as I love my own kids, as much as I love Jan, I can talk it up, I can motivate at times, I can talk fast enough, I can give all the reasoning, I can dissect it down, but the one thing I can't do is you stay consistent at that because you somewhere have gotta say, I am going to do this. And hopefully it's between the Holy Spirit and you. That's where I'd rather it be instead of between me and you. But you take initiative. You begin to start something. Some of you need to take initiative to lead your home. You've been sitting around waiting for somebody else to do it. Some of you in your growth in Christ... Well, the church should be doing this, and they didn't do that, and I should have. And you're probably right on a lot of it. The first church I was at, that Baptist church, they gave me a book. I think it was on Romans Road. They gave me a little book, but no mentor, no nothing. And I'm not... We don't have it here either as well as we should. 
And if I had taken their route, probably what would have happened is I'd be like most Christians in America. Stumble along, get some good things here and there, and fall into the trap of attend, tithe, volunteer, volunteer, and live my life. And let me say, we need all three of those. But there's so much more. To me, that's how we are, the church in America. We just make sure we do these things and have some level of community, attend, tithe, volunteer, being some level of community. But we hardly ever ask you, what's God put on your heart? Where are you engaged in influential? How do we help you become salt and light where you're transformed and you understand what God has built you for? It often comes, I've said a few weeks ago, it comes from top down. And that's some ways we do it here. But our top down here and here is trying to figure out how that comes from the bottom up. It's both. Our vision here is from here so that you will come up from here. That God stirs in you and the ministry comes out of you. You know, I didn't know any better when I first gave my life to Christ. I didn't know any better, so I created my own discipleship program. Because if I had waited for the church to get it together, I would have been in trouble. Let me say this to you. If you're sitting around just to wait us to get our, get our act together, God is not going to use that as a good check mark for you. He may hold us accountable, and he will. But that's not a way to get off the hook. And often when we make decisions, big decisions in our life, no question when it opens up much greater decisions, right? We take the initiative, we begin to pursue, and we begin to ask questions. Well, now that is answered. Now there's a bigger question. When we moved to Arizona in 1998, leaving our hometown, our home church, leaving our parents, leaving everybody, we knew when we left there We also had to know some other things. We had to know for sure that God was in it because my kids were probably going to find their spouse here. The house, and we pray over the house we live in and who lives next door to us and what kind of influence we can be in salt and light. We try to figure out, Lord, this is not just a, oh, this is a great adventure. We'll go to Arizona. I didn't know at the time when we were making that decision that over 40, I can't even remember the number now, over 40 people that have ties to Texarkana live in Phoenix, Arizona now. Off of one decision. That are impacting this culture, impacting their communities, tied to all kinds of churches here in the valley and advancing the kingdom wherever they are. I didn't know that. But I knew I had to make the first, and I couldn't make the decision for them. But often you make a decision, you don't know the ripple effects of it. So you need to be praying. We talked about last week, choices. No question. Especially on major decisions, we need to seek counsel. We need to be in prayer. We need to be earnestly seeking after God's will. But I also believe there are times our analysis, as we heard a hundred times, can become paralysis. But we don't do anything. We're afraid to make the wrong decision. The 
And I deal with that. I've gone through that over the last few months. I've been in a season right now of questioning some of my decisions. But the thing I have to go back to, where, where was my heart? My heart and my head are not always, the intellectual thing or the smart thing to do in your heart can conflict. Anybody can say amen to that? And a lack of information can cause you to look back and go, that was a bad decision. But what I don't look back on was my heart trying to make the right decision. Doesn't mean I don't have to deal with the consequences of, of some bad decisions. But that's the thing I have to answer for. But there are oftentimes, especially the potential God has put in you, I don't think you have to pray about whether God wants to use that or not. Some of you need to quit praying about that. And I know, I know our prayer leaders here are going to go, Kurt, you've got to pray about everything. I think there's times you don't have to pray about it anymore. Because it's already been answered. Should I, use, should I be fully used by God and let him have full control of my life to do whatever he wishes with me? Should I keep praying about that? No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Well, what should I do, Kurt? Well, sometimes just do something. I love the Yogi Berra quote when they ask him how to get to his house. He said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. And the reason was either road you took was the same distance to his house, just so you know. God goes, just do something. What do you keep praying about this for? What are you waiting on? It's time to initiate. It's time to take a step. His book, Margin by Richard Svensson, I love his definition here. He said, margin. See, I've had people tell me before, well, Pastor Kurt, I'm quitting all these volunteer things because you preached on margin one time and I ain't doing anything else. I just got to get margin. That is not what margin is. Margin rightly conceived is not about laziness, mediocrity, and non-involvement. It is about focus, discipline, and self-control, but mostly it is prioritizing space where we concentrate on the things that matter most. Here's the problem for most of us. We don't even know what matters most. We have not sat down. Like I said last week, most of us have planned our vacations or our golf trip or wherever we're going way better than we planned our life. We put more intention behind that, how we're going to retire and all the planning that goes into that, but not what am I going to do in retirement? Really? Because I get it. I want security. I don't have it financially. I don't have that security right now. I wish I had more of it, but I'm afraid if I had too much of it, I might really retire. John Acuff says in his book, Quitter, he says, you have the perfect amount of time each day for the things that matter most. The key is spending time on those things. I don't know where to start. I agree. I've got one of those in my life. Where do I start? 
I'm afraid I'll do the wrong thing. Believe me, if you're those who know the season I'm going through right now, I've asked that like 500 times in the last four months. I'm just afraid. That's exaggerated, just so you know. I don't want to make the wrong decision because I feel like I may have made the wrong one there. So now I'm paralyzed from making any decisions. And what happens is in those moments, and I've done this before too, you can talk about something long enough that you literally think you're making advancement. Talk about what you're going to do. And you don't. You talked about it way too long. Let me, let me tell you, the people around you would appreciate the fact that either you want to quit talking about it or start doing something about it. Because you've talked about it way too long. My greatest fear used to be that I was inadequate. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've, I'm just trying to be transparent with you today. I've struggled with that over the last four months. I won't go into the details of that, but, but what I do know, and I'm reminded of, especially this week working on Uncommon, he's given me a passion for something. It's a gift to me. But he's prompted me to move on those gifts. Because one of the things that I realized and just reminded of during this season is that if I keep telling God I'm inadequate, I'll say this the right way. If I keep telling God I'm inadequate and I don't have a story and I don't have those things, and I don't mean comparing to other body, everybody else's stuff. I'm talking about your stuff. That doesn't say that I don't trust me. That says I don't trust God. If he's prompted you, and he's gifted you, oh, and I know he's done that. I don't know what he's prompted everyone, but I know he's done that. He's gifted you. You have a story to tell. You have a part to play. As I said today in Game Changer, one of the number one things is, well, why, do we do, why do we want to figure out our game changers? Because you matter. You matter. You matter. We need you on the team. We need you in the kingdom building. Because there's a part of us that's not working fully without you in it. When Moses argued with God, I'm inadequate. We want to go, oh, that's self-loathing. That's, that's for sure. Do that. I, I feel like I'm, the, God, you can't. No, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you. Moses was saying, God, I don't trust you. And we almost wear it as a badge of honor. To tear myself down. God, you can't use me. He created you. He knows your story. He knows your past, present, and potential future. 
and he still loves you. Now, he knows those things that you do that nobody else knows about or things that have happened that nobody, he knows that. He says, come on. I've let things like scarcity creep into my life because I want security. Somehow or another, God doesn't have enough. Now, I know sometimes you look in your bank account and you go, I don't have enough. And I, and I know that, right? And we get this fear, and I, I, I know. Man, I don't want to live the rest of my life, whatever that's left of that, in scarcity. That God doesn't have enough to do what he's calling me to do. You know, I want to know that somewhere out there, at the end of time, that I'm able to say, I've completed the assignment you've given me? And I'm able to say that in such a way that I know I hustled the best I could, even when I was wrong. But my heart was right hustling after what you wanted me to do, God. I would miss that one. I wish I could go back. I wouldn't do that the same way again. But God, my heart was hustling after what you wanted us to do. So my greatest fear, I hope, till my dying day, and there's times, like I said, I battle it where it's scarcity and and, and, and security and those kind of things. What I hope my greatest fear will always be, Lord, that I live up to the potential you gave me. It moves me, it prompts me, it motivates me. It initiates me. Did I do that? The assignment you gave me it is complete. Acts 13, 36, David served God's purpose in his own generation. Then he died. What an epitaph. What an epitaph. John Acuff says, 90% perfect shared with the world always changes more lives than 100% perfect stuck in your head. My call to preach, thank goodness I didn't wait till I was 100% ready. Now, some people probably said along the way, I wish you'd have waited at least get 90. And some may say, you're not at 90 yet. A few years ago, I said to the staff, I'm going to write 35 devotionals in seven weeks, five devotionals from scratch every day for seven weeks. And we did it, didn't we? And we're still tweaking them. We're making, trying to make them better and trying to do all that. And we're going to rewrite some of them and all that kind of stuff. But this is the deal. You know what initiated that happening? I went public. I made a promise. I made a promise. Some of your initiative may be I've got to quit something and not start something. In other words, you've got to quit something before you start something. You gotta drop some things. I know that I don't wanna preach like, hey, you got, you know, as, as holiness, like, like a man says, you gotta stop doing it. No, that's not what I'm saying. Some of you just do need to quit some things. I don't know what they are. I'm not here to, 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 to prophetically say that over here. It's not my role or my gifted, giftedness. But I love this McManus quote that I've tweaked over and over over the years. 
He says, the more you move with God-given urgency, the more God seems to bless your life. The more God blesses your life, the more you have to lose. The more you have to lose, the more you have to risk. The more you have to risk, the higher the price of following God. What if you pushed everything in the middle of the table? Financially, everything, God, it's yours. There's not one thing. Your, your gift mix, your, your talents, everything. You push it all in the middle of the table and say, God, every bit of this is yours. And if I live in a one-bedroom apartment the rest of my life, which Jan and I do, we will be fine. If that's what we're supposed to do. But if you put conditions on it, let me tell you, if you put conditions on it, you're not there. If you said, I gotta have that one and that and that and that and that, you're not there. Because I've done that. I'm confessing to you. Trying to be as transparent as I can. I'm confessing to you because I've done that with God. It's got to look like this or I'm not secure. What? When did you get that, Kurt? When did that get in your head? That you've got to have that in order for that? Are you kidding me? Read this thing. Tell me who in there got that. Tell me. Who got to do that? He goes on to say that there's a tragic reality that many times the very things that God blesses us with will become the obstacles to season our divine moments. When we look around and we just assume everybody that wants to know God knows God. Why would I do anything? Why would I change my life? Why would I say anything to him? I'm assuming everybody who wants to know will find out. Jesus says in John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not a luxury to not walk in the light. And it's not a luxury that we get to cover that light up. We put it on a stand. I don't know what your stand looks like. I don't know what my stand fully looks like either. But I know it needs to be a stand. Have you ever made a promise, initiated a promise that somebody didn't make you make? You ever had that? Make me a promise on that. Okay. But you knew in the moment that circumstances surrounded it were so consequential, the promise you were about to make. And you may not make the promise, but the promise was required. You should have made it, but you decided not to. If you ever made a promise and you had no idea how you were gonna keep that promise? Parents know this. Standing in that delivery room, or laying, too, okay. But for me, I was standing. 
When all four of them are born, I'm making a promise to them. I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to keep it, but I'm making a promise way bigger than I ever imagined, especially the first one. The other three, at least I kind of knew what I was getting into. The first one, I didn't. But I made them a promise. Was it out loud? No. I would take care of them. I would protect them. And that day, December 14th, 1986, when I came down to that altar, I stood there, and all these, all these people came by and shook my hand. I, this was the weirdest thing. It was. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I just, but that's what they did there. But as I stood there for minutes and minutes as they came by and just you know, welcomed me into the kingdom and all that, one of the things I remember standing there was, was that Sydney, because I didn't know the other three were going to be born, but Sydney was now going to be raised the way she was supposed to, and I could live a life in front of her. I remember that. I don't remember much of else, but I remember saying that. But I had to make that first step. The rest of them were easy. Because that promise held my feet to the fire. I'm about to tell some of you some bad news. To get where you need to get to in your spiritual life, in your relationships, in your health, all, I could take all kinds of different areas. There's no button to push. There's no pill to take. It's all about, if I had the ladder here, it's all about taking steps on that ladder. There's no elevator. There's no escalator. It's stages and steps. And it's time for us to begin to walk this out. Some of you, it is time to initiate and go public with a promise. You don't have to tell the rest of us. You don't have to tell us. But you're probably going to need to tell somebody. Would you sigh if you guys would come as we close? I need to have 100% of this figured out. I had nothing figured out when I came to know the Lord. But I knew this, I could no longer stay where I was. And I've said this year, for years and there's no way to prove it so I don't know what to do with that. I believed it was my last chance. And I'm not putting that on you today, Ricky Bobby. I'm not putting that on you, okay? I don't think I've ever quoted Ricky Bobby, but anyway, there you go. All I'm saying to you is this. We're in a sacred moment. Is that I'm not trying to tell you this is your last chance, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But the scripture later, I remember standing in, I was at Chase Field, and of all people, I think it was Henry Blackaby preaching of all people. And he was talking about cutting down the tree and saying, we'll come back in a year, and if it's not, then we're going to take it out. And in that chase field and promise keepers, men everywhere, felt like the Lord said, yep, that was you. I don't know, and please don't take that that way. What I am saying is I didn't ever have to find out.
That's what I do know. Because I initiated, the Spirit initiated on me. I responded by initiating and stepping out and beginning to walk. What I do want to tell you also is, and be in full confession, that song, Wherever You Lead, I'll Go, there are multiple times in this last 30-something years I've wanted to say, I believe in you, God, but I don't want this cross anymore. I'm not standing up here as the pied pipe and, you know, sanctified whatever. There have been multiple times. I will love you and I will follow you, but I don't want this anymore. But then you know you're built for more. So for some of you today, we're going to sing Make Room. You change the words up right here on the spot, make a move. To make room. I don't know what it is in your life. For some of you, you may need to be at Uncommon next Sunday. You may save your marriage. Or at least strengthen your marriage in a way that you didn't know it could, needed to be. I believe Uncommon brings part of those pieces to it. It's not too late. It's not too late. Some of you is following Christ as your Savior. Maybe the, the greatest first step. I don't know what it is. I hadn't come here today to try to put that on you. But I am confident in a room like this, whether online or here. He's speaking to somebody about that. It's time to initiate. Won't you stand? Let me pray for us. Lord, first, we're thankful that you initiate. You come and woo us. You come and tug at us. You come and pull at us. You come and disturb us. <laughs> Disrupt us. To tell us where you are right now is... Not where I want you now. It may have worked for a season, but now. Lord, I just pray whatever that is across this room for your precious children, including this pastor, Lord, I, I want to continue to be moved. I don't want to be stuck. But Lord, I know often we have to choose and then move, initiate. Lord, help us now, even in this song, whatever this means for the folks here today, Lord, use it to prompt them to do your will. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing. You come, if you feel led, to pray around these altars.